previously on Dry Powder. A lot of the funds that are winning deals out there, they are doing more integrated diligence. Rebecca Burak, head of the America's private equity practice at Bain, explained how integrated due diligence can help you secure margins from day one. But Rebecca also raised an interesting question about this emerging trend. This can't possibly be new. She's right. It really isn't new. Uh, 20 or 25 years ago, what we're now calling integrated due diligence was the core due diligence approach. Integrated due diligence is just a throwback to that nearly forgotten era. So is there nothing new under the sun here? The method may be old school, but the data is changing fast. And the tools? They're helping clients analyze deals in multiple dimensions. In Rebecca's case, the dimensions are literal. My favorite, the profit cube. The profit cube? Like a cube, like a square? Like an actual cube. And the reason it's a cube is it's three axes. Today on the show, Rebecca Burak and I discuss the data, the tools, and yes, the profit cube, which can help you keep your bearings as the industry travels back to the future of due diligence. I'm Hugh MacArthur, head of Bain's global private equity practice, and this is Dry Powder. Our clients are literally drowning in data when it comes to deals in industries today. Drowning in data, that's a consultant's dream. It can also be a consultant's nightmare and it can be a deal team's nightmare. More information is now available about any company than ever before. So the need of the investor to have help in sorting through all of this data is greater than ever before. And help tends to mean more people, more organizations, more experts looking at more issues. And that's not always a positive thing if it's not all interconnected. I remember a, a pizza chain that we were looking at recently where there were lots of opportunities for improvement. They could make better pizza with better ingredients. They had the opportunity to increase delivery. They had digital marketing opportunities and new ways to reach customers. I mean, literally, they had this tremendous array of potential value levers with lots of data behind them. But in the end, there was one big thing that mattered. Pizza's become an IT business. Domino's and Papa John's have literally put apps on people's phones. They can really breed a type of customer loyalty through IT that was impossible several years ago. And so if you don't have an app on someone's phone, you're not selling them the pizza. And guess how many pizza apps people want on their phone? Probably exactly one. Exactly one. So if you're not first, you could have a whole lot of value opportunities, but they're a mirage. You're making me think of another example that points to why this is hard. There have been a lot of marketing services businesses that have come out of having a lot of data. And these businesses are incredibly complex. They have 12 or 15 different business units. They're in multiple different regions. And so as I think about the opportunity for these businesses to grow their EBITDA, I not only have to think about whether they're well positioned, I have to do that in each of their markets. And I need to do that both on the revenue and the cost line. It's really complex. It is really complex, and it sounds complex. Can we do that in a typical diligence time frame? We can, and the key to it is figuring out, first, where are the most important pieces of that business for a deal? And then once we understand that, it's all about the equation for the business. It's very easy to say that profit equals revenue minus cost, but it's the next level down that's complex. Once we figure that out, it is very likely that we can use a combination of our experience, our clients' experience investing, the data room, and a whole lot of outside sources to solve that equation. So Rebecca, we've talked a lot about how to get margins up before you buy an asset, 
But once you actually own the asset, are there some interesting tools or approaches or ways of thinking about margin improvement that actually work that we're seeing? My favorite, the profit cube. So the reason it's a cube is it's three axes. Where do I make money on a product basis? Where do I make money on a customer basis? And where do I make money on a location basis? Hence, a cube. So any one of the squares is the intersection of a product that I sell to a customer from a location. And I need to really understand what the economic profit is of each one of those cubes. Every product sold to every customer from every location. Then what kind of results are clients getting from it? The results are outstanding. Think about three examples. Okay, 42% increase in EBITDA, dollars flowing in the first three months. 60% increase in profitability, achieved fully in 18 months. 50% increase in economic margin, remaining two and a half years later. Can you really bring this to life for us by by talking through a specific example that you can think of where the profit cube was used to, to great effect? I can think of a lot of examples, but let me tell you about a building products distribution business where they had taken cost out year after year after year. But the question that we all asked ourselves is, how can we do better? So we went in there and we built a cube. And what we got to was a complete understanding of by 27 different locations, by tens of thousands of customers, and 100,000 SKUs, exactly where we were making money, and again, where we weren't. I knew it for the variable costs, we knew it for the fixed costs, and we could identify a set of products to go after and a set of customers to go after. We raised prices for some, we reduced the cost to serve, we delivered less frequently, we shifted the mix of some of what our customers were buying with substitute products. From a category perspective, for the most part, we could think about things like cross-docking or fees um, on top of categories or ordering differently. And you know what? There weren't a lot of locations to close. It was more about optimizing the way we ran those locations than completely shifting their supply chain. And that's why the dollars started to flow in the first three months. And so what was the result of that, uh, of all of those programs? That was the 42% increase in profit. You know, What's new here is actually that there is a cube. There is a tool that can actually do this very rapidly and produce real insights on a tactical basis for our clients. We used to do a lot of this in the past, but it was all manual. Where am I making money by product? That was a set of assessments. Where am I making money by customer? That was a set of analysis and assessments. Where am I making money by location? That was a separate set of analysis and assessments. And then we would have to integrate all of that by hand to figure out what a profit cube can spew out in just a few hours today with the right data. There are other tools actually that we've used that have a more strategic view of what an overall asset should be earning in terms of profitability. In the past, we used to look at a classic consulting tool called the ROS-RMS normative band. And what we would literally do is line up companies by their scale and by the growth rate of their industry. And you could predict with a very high degree of accuracy what a reasonable band of margins were for each company in an industry simply by their relative market share position, which was a proxy for accumulated experience, and the growth rate of that industry. And that tool was rarely wrong. In fact, it's rarely wrong today. So if you apply a lot of new tools and techniques, it still comes back to understanding what is the strategic position of the asset, 
what margin does it have a right to earn? And if it's going to earn outsized margins compared to the predictive profitability of the normative band, then there better be a damn good reason why. So ProfitCube is one of the tools that we use with our clients all the time, and it puts real dollars on the table immediately. This is nothing different than where do I make money and where don't I? And if I think about owning a business, that might be one of the first questions, along with, say, what do my customers think about me? Once I know what my customers think about me and I know where I make money and where I don't, I can do a lot and I can do it quickly. You do need to be dedicated to going through the process and sometimes fighting over how to allocate costs. But those are fun fights to have, and it really does bring people on board. Well, this has been terrific. We really learned a lot today about why integrated due diligence is needed, uh, why it uh, is both traditional and looks forward to, to the future, and why we need to be thoughtful about getting the margin improvement that we're underwriting. Thanks so much again for coming on the show. Happy to do it. It's been fun. On the next episode of Dry Powder, Christoph Devusser explains how to detect disruption before it blows your deal apart. There's a set of patterns that you look out for. How will the cost continue to decline as the technology accelerates? How will new technologies bend the cost curve? What new solution will bring new elements of value to the customer? And what are the barriers to the adoption of those new technologies? I'm Hugh MacArthur. Thank you for listening.